Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me today are... Indra Hardware. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. What we do here on this podcast, at least what we're going to do today, is we're going to be discussing some what we've been watching and then moving on into an in-depth review. This week, we'll be discussing Detective Pikachu, the latest movie based on a video game. And I really want to talk to you guys about whether or not this movie breaks the video game movie curse, right? Does it uh, surpass every other video game movie that's ever been made and actually land with a... uh, uh, a good Rotten Tomatoes score, a a high quality film. Uh, we'll talk about whether or not Detective Pikachu is able to pull it off. Um, but you can find in the meantime, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail dot com. And it's been a while since uh, we've all uh, been together on this podcast. <laughs> um, been a few That's weeks. Right. We did Endgame a couple weeks ago, and then last week we had a couple bonus episodes. Really grateful for uh, all the people who joined us for those episodes. We got a lot of great feedback about yeah. those episodes, um, and uh, people writing in saying they enjoyed hearing like the v- variety of different perspectives uh, about Avengers Endgame. Jeff Kanata, without spoiling anything, you you have any more thoughts on Avengers Endgame? Because you you weren't able to join us last week. Oh man, uh, I mean, I've, I've talked about it with every human I know. <laughs> um, it has been uh, it's been a whirlwind between that and Game of Thrones. It just feels like this weird tornado of geekdom over yeah, the last it, couple it, of weeks. It's right? It's crazy to think about like Avengers Endgame, Game of Thrones. And the end of the Skywalker saga is all going to happen in one year, right? Am I am I right about that? I think that's right, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, one calendar year. And it's weird, too, because, you know, I've talked at length on this show over and over about uh, how the whole Avengers phenomenon felt like this impossible thing that would never happen. And then Game of Thrones, as a book series, <clears throat> I remember vividly, I, I never let him forget this, by the way, uh, bringing up how great they were to the totally rad show guys. I think I've told this before and saying, I think HBO is working on a TV series based on these books. And Dan Trachtenberg, big time Hollywood director famously turned to me and said, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. And I was like, what do you mean? I hear they're like making, he's like, are you kidding? It's never happening. That'll never happen. And uh, here it is, the biggest television show in the world. And uh, now well, it's Jeff, finally. It, it does seem like you got the last laugh, but in a more <laughs> meaningful, tangible way, Dan got the last laugh. <laughs> Why? Because of the last season has been disappointing? Is that what you're referring uh, to, Dave? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one way to interpret what I said, yes. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, yeah, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, but, Jeff, you weren't here on last week's episode of the podcast. A lot of people missed you. We got, like, dozens of letters being like, where's Jeff? Where's Jeff? None uh, of the people present, but a lot of other people who yeah, are on yeah. this call right now. Yeah. So many tweets of, like, where's Jeff? Which I was just like, please... Stop asking me where's Jeff. The reason that they're asking where's Jeff is because Jeff wasn't there. Because Jeff, you've been busy doing another show, right? I launched a a new show that has been a ton of work, but oh my god, I am loving it. Thank you for bringing it up. I'm I'm so glad to tell this audience, especially people like geeks like us that are into Game of Thrones type stuff, fantasy stuff. I, I'm actually I'm so happy to be working on this because it's creative. It's as much as creative as. These shows are review shows, you know, this show, DLC, the the review shows that I do, they feel so reactionary and talking about other people's creative work. 
Uh, I'm actually making something now. I'm doing a show called Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons and Dragons show. So if you don't know about these things, they're they're this <laughs> this very overpopular genre at this point. Everybody and their goat is doing one of these shows. So I, as as someone's goat, am also doing one. Um, but th- I think they're great. I really enjoy watching them. I've loved Dungeons and Dragons for a long, long time. It's the reason we did the Totally Rad show in the first place is because Dan and Alex and I met playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, anyway, so w- what you do with these shows is you play Dungeons and Dragons live with a group of people and record it. And what Dungeons and Dragons really is, is cooperative improvised storytelling Mm -hmm. it is a a means of moving through a story where everybody sort of doesn't know what's going to happen i mean the dungeon master i'm actually the dungeon master in this project the dungeon master leads the the group through the story they're the they're in charge of the rules they're the sort of referee of the rules of dungeon and dragons they play all the bad guys and all the non-player characters that the players run into. So they set the stage, they, they write the story, they tell the story, but the players have agency. They can do what they want, they can make decisions, they role-play their characters out. They can and do so- whatever they want, too, yes. is the thing. I think that's the fun part. I started playing uh, tabletop games uh, or role-playing games in college, and that freedom it's just astounding. So I will say, like, for anybody who's rolling their eyes at the idea of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, if you like good storytelling and um, if you like the sort of fantasy stuff we're seeing from Game of Thrones, you should probably give this a shot because it's it's so fun hearing freewheeling storytelling. Yeah, I, mean, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it's been such a blast. We have an incredible group of players uh, that have already brought to the table vivid, interesting, fun, lovable characters. And I'm dungeon mastering, so I invented this whole story, this world. I, It's all homebrewed world. It's based on Dungeons & Dragons lore, but it is completely my invention. Um, created a map and a, a backstory and world history and all these different factions and things. And these players are experiencing it. And we're three episodes in now for Dungeon Run. And things are getting really crazy. The production is wild, too. There's a fully animatronic Mind Flayer puppet that introduces every episode and talks to the (laughs) audience. Uh, The show is interactive. So uh, if you're watching live on the live stream, you can actually influence what happens. There's a means of communicating with the players. There's a means of actually giving them things. It's really cool. And we're trying to do some, some new stuff with what I said is a very popular genre already. We're trying to, you know, do something a little bit different. There's these incredible models. We have a Hollywood model maker making these wild models. So I hope if you listen to this show and you like me even a little bit, you'll give it a shot because I'm really proud of it. And I want to keep doing it for a long, long time. It's called Dungeon Run. It's available as an audio podcast. If you like listening to these things as an audio podcast, it's kind of like listening to an audio book a little bit because it's long form storytelling. Um, but it's also available on YouTube. Uh, you can look, search for The Dungeon Run on YouTube, three episodes so far. And live every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time, we're on Caffeine TV. So it's caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. That's where you get the best experience because you can actually interact in the live chat. People have – there's already a huge community and people are, are really enjoying that experience of being in the live chat and influencing the game in real time. So I hope you give it a shot and let me know what you think because, uh, like I said, I'm really, really proud of this. 
I haven't worked this hard on something in quite a long time, and I've really put my heart into it. And uh, I, I think mean, you're, you're basically phoning it into the slash filmcast these days, you know. So oh, uh, for I totally years, underst- for years, for I mean, years. decades even. So <laughs> to- I'm, to- I'm glad to see where all the work is going towards. Yeah, um. <laughs> finally something I care about. Um, <laughs> but no, truly, it is. You know, it, it's really uh, a lot of work. It's a labor of love, and it's it's something really creatively fulfilling in a way that some of these other things haven't been. I, I love doing the slash film cast. I love doing DLC, but it's such a different muscle that I'm yeah, going to use yeah, yeah. again. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. It's yeah. it's very obvious that it's like a very different uh, set of skills that this requires. And the, you broadcast for like hours, right? Isn't it like three? Yeah, it's two, about three, three and a half. Three and a half to four hours uh, every every session. So, it, like I said, it's long form. That's why a lot of people yeah. like listening to the, the just the audio version because you can listen to it in the car. But um, you really get a chance to kind of fall in love with these characters and be with them for a long, long time. And um, you know, we're we're doing some really fun, cool stuff. I, I nice. hope people give it a shot. Yeah. You know, it's, I will have to say that's a, that's actually pretty compact for session times there, Jeff. Like uh, typically oh, yeah. it's like six to eight hours. You could lose a day in something like this if you're really into it. Um, so that's yeah, true. this sounds like a blast. Yeah. When I usually play up with my friends in you know, in my living room, it's eight, eight to 10 hours, but yeah, this is, <laughs> this is, it's really cool. And we've gotten, I, honestly, guys, I've never, I know this sounds like I'm tooting my own horn and maybe I am a little bit, but I've never gotten such positive feedback for anything so immediately nice. in my life. It is yeah, toot away. It yeah. is it, <laughs> positive YouTube comments almost entirely. It's wild to see people embrace it so strongly. So I hope people listening will give it a shot. Well, that's cool. Congratulations. It's called The Dungeon Run. It's on caffeine.tv uh, slash The Dungeon Run. On Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific time, you can also find archived versions on YouTube. Uh, congrats, Chef. I hope it continues to grow and, and do what you want it to do. And I'm glad you're uh, being creatively fulfilled somewhere, if it's not the Smash Filmcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, let's get to uh, today's show. Let's talk about what we've been watching this week. So uh, I've been watching a bunch of stuff on Netflix. Uh, I had a chance to watch Knock Down the House. My mom cleaned houses growing up. I never really saw myself going into politics. Americans aren't asking for a lot. They're just asking for politicians to help them get by. I can do this. I know you can. We're doing something very controversial. People say, how dare you mount a challenge to someone who's so established. So it's not just our family, it's 30,000 families a year losing loved ones because they don't have insurance. I was not trying to become an activist. I live six minutes from Ferguson. Being a woman of color, our image is scrutinized. People in my district, this is how we look. I come from a long line of coal miners. We've been collateral damage. Have you guys heard yeah. of this documentary? Knock oh, oh yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. much looking forward to watching it myself. Yeah, so this uh, movie, Knock Down the House, um, let me get you a little plot summary here. Uh, Knock Down the House chronicles um, uh, a, y- a young bartender in the Bronx, a coal miner's daughter in West Virginia, a grieving mother in Nevada, and a registered nurse in Missouri build a movement of insurgent candidates to challenge powerful incumbents in Congress. Uh, one of their races will become the most shocking political upsets in recent American history. Uh, I will give you a guess as to whose that is. But uh, this episode was, uh, I'm sorry, this movie was directed by Rachel Lears. And 
the I would say the biggest claim to fame this movie has is uh, that one of the candidates that it documents is Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, right? Like it is in on the ground floor of her yeah. campaign. So lucky, and yeah. 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 not <laughs> knowing, like, like not knowing she would become a global phenomenon. Yes, yeah. like yeah. It, it is incredible. And so there's there's a few things about this I want to point out. Right, first of all, I, I think this movie is. Uh, very, very good. I think you should watch it, especially if you're an American, uh, because I think it illustrates a lot of things about our current political system. Uh, it illustrates in many ways how broken the political system is and how difficult it is for outsiders, for people who represent the people, uh, for candidates who represent the people to actually get a foothold in and actually, uh, quote unquote, knock down the house and actually unseat incumbent candidates. People don't like uh, the politicians that represent them, but they are unable to vote them out because of the ways that the current political structure uh, is shaped. And this movie does a great job of illustrating that. So that's like one – for that reason alone, I think it's worth seeing the movie. But as I also mentioned, uh, it's in on the ground floor of Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's campaign. And uh, like you see some of her early – campaign meetings right like where she's 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 doing a campaign stop where like she's like going door to door and knocking on people's doors and being like hey can i talk to you about my candidacy and like people being like no i'm busy which like by the way like if you're watching the movie you're one of the people that turned her down you're probably uh not happy with yourself um (laughs) you know like you see her in the living room trying to convince like five people to vote for her Right to support her candidacy, and because like that's the only people that she could get to show up at that point. And there's one moment in the movie that was so incredible to me, where she talks about how she was able to get her name on the ballot. Right, that was a big, uh, huge moment for her because a lot of people didn't think she would ever even get to that point. And she says what the date is, and it's like April of 2018. And I was just like, oh, it just struck me how quickly. Things have moved in that time, right? Like she's gone from somebody who barely could get on the ballot, let alone someone who would win, to uh, an international star, as you guys like, or like certainly a national star, a social media phenomenon. Um, And uh, like, (laughs) you know, the, the creator and founder of her own cottage industry of people supporting her and attacking her on Fox News. Yeah, no matter um, no matter what side of the aisle you associate with, you have to recognize that she is a phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, people either love her or love to hate her, and there's and there, there's passion on both sides of that that's kind of unequaled in on the left. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is uh, it, it's an incredible story, and the, all, all the candidates are incredible. And I'm I'm not gonna like. You know, spoiler, like, I'm not going to spoil anything in real life other than her. Like, she, she, AOC is inescapable. So, like, if you, you've probably heard about <laughs> AOC, you know that she's in Congress. Like, that's, I don't think that's a spoiler. The other ones, like, you may not have heard the outcome of those. So, I won't say, uh, what the outcomes of those were. But, like, uh, I, I think that, uh, th- this movie is worth watching because it ultimately presents a hopeful portrait of American politics, uh, in a time when a lot of things are hopeless. And uh, I think that uh, that is a message that everyone could uh, internalize these days. And the the documentary is really well shot, well cut together, and has lots of great and inspiring footage um, from these various campaigns. And it, it really just shows you like these people who start with nothing, 
Like they, they have like no support, no name recognition, and they try to take down the establishment. Um, and that's inspiring to see no matter what the outcome is. So yeah, that's knocked down the house. It's on Netflix right now. I think it premiered at South by Southwest, uh, but it's on Netflix right now and it's worth watching. So that's what I've been watching. I also had a chance to see, uh, this sketch comedy show called, I think you should leave. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, I've uh, watched it is a bunch of it. Yeah. The best thing. The best thing ever. Yeah. So I found it very hit and miss, but the hits are very good. They're very good. So this is like a sketch comedy show. Every episode's like 15, 20 minutes. There's only like what, six to eight episodes or something like that. It's very uh-huh. short. Um it's the the brainchild of actor Tim Robinson. And I would say the pitch for the show is it it takes like awkward social situations and takes them to their like logical like their the most extreme version of an awkward social situation which is uh-huh. like catnip for Dave as my wife but, would but, say but cat- not like uh, not like curb your enthusiasm right like oh, i think oh. it goes even more more extreme like over the top to the point where it's not realistic right oh yeah uh, it's like science fiction it's yeah, science yeah, fiction yeah exactly and sketch, i I, yeah. I think it's absolutely hilarious uh, as my wife would put it it is like catnip for Dave Chen um, oh yeah <laughs> like I, I i don't know i don't think all of the sketches are equally home runs but there are home runs yeah there are home runs yeah i I agree with you like some of them are like oof, like that's pretty rough uh i I think one that i'm particularly a fan of is there is one that's a uh a parody of musical biopics which people who don't know like (laughs) i i kind of hate musical biopics like i try to avoid reviewing them on this podcast i think they're extremely formulaic and uh, there's always this scene in musical biopics. Well, you'll put you'll put them on your summer movie wager list, won't you? I, I, dude, so it was it was revealed this week that Rocket Man is rated R, and I was like, my summer movie wager list is already going down in flames. It's already. <laughs> I, I have never felt less comp- confident about my ability to win the summer movie wager than this year. Um, so I have a feeling one of you guys is going to take it. And I will hate you for it. So, um, but g- going back to, uh, oh yeah. So I think you should leave. There's this, there's a sketch where, um, it, it takes place in a, like a musical recording booth and it's like, Hey, like we don't like that song. Like, why don't you play us a different song? And he's like, okay, guys, follow my lead. And it kind of plays out like what would actually happen if somebody said, follow my lead and you had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I-, I thought that was just absolutely amazing. So like the scene, you know, the, the, the famous scene in, uh, um, oh, the movie that was just 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 came out with Lady Gaga. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Stars Born, right? Stars Born, mm-hmm. yeah, where she like literally just walks out on stage <laughs> and manages to be perfectly a right. duet. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, exactly. it's that. It's like it's it's, it's, like, it's a realistic version of that, basically. Yeah, right? exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will say, watch the first episode of the show because I think it is the most like uh, perfectly honed episode and bunch of sketches i've watched that damn baby sketch so many times it is so it's amazing like yeah i've the thing is the show is so short right uh short episodes and not that many episodes it really really um rewards repeat viewing yeah and i kind of dig that about it doesn't overstates welcome there's already a bunch of memes that have come up as a result of the show Uh uh-huh um so i'd highly recommend it it's i think you should leave it's on netflix sounds like you all had a great time with it as well so yeah. Uh, Jeff Kanata, you've been watching a show on Netflix as well, right? I have the new um, Christina Applegate show, Dead to Me, uh, which not to be confused with Dead Like Me. Also good. Dead. Yeah. Also good. Uh, there's a, it, it's a 
A title that could be easily confused is what I'm saying. Uh, but <laughs> well worth watching. Uh, my wife and I have been addicted to this show. Uh, it is really an interesting little beast. It is a half-hour show that plays like an hour drama. It is, you know, you see half-hour shows on Netflix. They tend to be comedies. This is not a comedy. This plays like an hour-long drama, like you might find a Breaking Bad or, yeah. uh, you know. There are funny that. bits, though. I think I think it is well, funny, but it's not a comedy because it's all about grief, right? Right. It is very much about grief and very much, I think, uh, handles grief in a really honest way. Uh, and that's to its credit. But it's also a thriller and one of those, you know, one of those shows where you're sort of rooting for someone to get away with something. Yeah. It's like uh, Gone Girl level thriller twists at times too. Like it is, it is wild. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. Uh, it, it reminds me of um, um, Bloodline, uh, which it shares an actress with, actually, but uh-huh. uh, very good show. But it, it, it's it's really interesting to see them pull off that format in a half an hour uh, size, which you just mm-hmm. don't. I just don't know of any other show that does that. There's no fat to the show like it is all just like killer great scenes all great character work a shout out to linda cardellini who's also in bloodline but i think is tremendous here he's great and james marston just being i I love silly james marston like this guy gets saddled with i i don't know what's up with his agent uh he's in the sonic movie i just feel bad for james marston so often uh i don't feel bad for him this show finally i think christina applegate straight up should get an emmy nomination for this Uh she is amazing i've always liked her uh i think that she's finally gets gets something juicy to really show how good she is she's real good uh real good in this in this show honest raw she has to go through some really intense stuff and i I think it's emmy worthy straight up it's Uh, really also the combination of her and linda carlini who i think is just amazing they have great chemistry. I, love, I think yeah. they do have great chemistry, and you buy their relationship right away. Your the relationship, literally in episode one, goes from zero to sixty, and you buy it. You get that they've like fast friends and really close, and uh, and as the things layer on of the mysteries unraveling, there's a lot to swallow, and somehow just the strength of their performance, their chemistry, their charisma, I was along for that ride because I think in lesser hands it would be like come on a little but no i felt i was just i loved the show and it it's one of those shows where you sort of cringe watching it because you know that it just has this foreboding sense of doom coming uh like breaking bad and and other shows like that like bloodline like a lot of the shows but man it is, it is addictive watching and you can just blow through the 10 episodes real quick uh really good show yeah i uh i actually watched this entire series in the time since we last talked um, <laughs> in the time you've been talking, Jeff, I've yeah, watched the entire series. I, I mean, it's a show. Uh, I'll be honest; like, uh, I, I kind of left it on the background sometimes. Like, I didn't, I wasn't paying super close attention for the entire thing. But it, it is like the perfect show for that, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect what? it at all. I, I think that like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's. I, what I'm trying to say is like, it's a great show to binge. Right? It is a, a great show to I don't just think like. That's what you said, but okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think like background being shows, that's a that's another level of thing for me. That's like yeah. a CW show. Maybe uh, I feel like if I if I miss a scene in the show, that's like a big twist or something. I, I okay, feel like well, binging, binging <laughs> by definition is like uh, real rapt attention. Hmm. All right. Well, we should we should figure out how to define that correctly then. 
yeah. uh, but or at least consistently. But <laughs> lazy binge, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a nice lazy binge. That's how I'd put it. Uh, a lazy binge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lazy binge. Anyway, uh, so uh, watch the whole thing. I, I quite I quite enjoyed it, and uh, I'd, I'd recommend. It. Like it really caught My me favorite. by surprise. My favorite 1930s Catskills comic, Lazy Binge. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you really I, had the one-liners. I thought that the show would be too, like, you know, pretty early on. There's some pretty, like, in the first episode, there's some pretty uh, out there plot twists, and I was like, this this show is so ridiculous. But then at, at some point, I like just embraced the ridiculousness. You know, I was just yeah. like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with it. And, it's a little uh, campy. I I feel like it is out of Dave's comfort zone most of the time. So yeah. I'm I'm happy to see that you've absorbed it. Like you're you're on. Yeah, it. I was like, yeah, let's do maybe maybe the reason I did the lazy binge was was because of that is because I'm like I can't fully embrace the show, but I am going to enjoy just it. Enjoy some, it. Just watch yeah. it side eye. Just gonna just gonna side eye. This it's just show in my peripherals. Really... I'm gonna watch yeah. it in my peripheral vision. Is really how I prefer. I, I agree with you about the like I, I was kind of mentioning the hard to swallowness and I really do think it's the strength of the performances that make make it go down. Yeah, you know? they're very good. They're very good. So both and I was reading interviews with the uh, creator of the show and they were saying like it, they didn't that Linda Cardellini and like Christina Applegate are uh, what are called offer only actresses, meaning like you can't ask them to come in and read or audition. You need to like go out to them with an offer for the show. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so when they cast them, they didn't, they didn't like get them in a room to be like, Hey, like read the scene. Let's see what, what the chemistry is like. They had to just like take it on faith that they would be able to make it work. And I think they, they really do make it work as a friendship on, on screen. So uh, yeah, big shout out to the, the two main leads of, you, you know, uh, who else is in this show? Ed freaking Asner. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Is it, did you have Silence. a follow-up for that? Or was that Silence. it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, he just does not need a follow-up. He's just... Yeah, you know, I just dropped the Ed Asner on you guys. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. Asnered right now. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So that's Dead to Me, and it's available on Netflix right now. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Divinger Hardware. What have you been watching this week? Oh, I yeah, I just want to throw a quick shout out to the Criterion channel, which launched a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is the streaming service. It's 11 bucks a month or $100 a year. It has a select uh, assortment of Criterion films and extra features and interviews and stuff uh, on a rotation. So it's not the entire Criterion library, but uh, I actually kind of like this system because it avoids the glut of like Netflix of thinking there is like, Oh man, you're just, you know, overwhelmed with the choices. And also does a great job of curating the experiences. So they tend to do these like double features. Like if you like Mulholland drive, uh, you may like persona, things like that. And I think that's a really smart way to like keep people onto new things that they may not have uh, thought of watching before. Um, they also do these things. Um, I believe film did this too, where like, uh, you know, celebrities and directors uh, will, will talk about their top five criterion films and what they like about it. And honestly, I find that stuff so much more compelling than like just sitting and watching a trailer or reading user reviews or something like it is such a great curated experience. Um, I ended up watching, uh, what was it? Uh, the long good night or no, the long good Friday. Uh, this is the John McKenzie film from 1980, uh, starring a wonderful Bob Hoskins and also Helen Mirren and a really young Helen Mirren too. This is like, yeah, it's a gangster film. He's a, he's a gangster who's trying to like go straight, have a good deal. Uh, except, uh, that deal does not go so well and things get pretty hairy. 
this is a tremendous crime movie. I've been meaning to watch it for a while. So it's nice to just have that available at the tap of a button. Um, also an amazing score too. just like just Google the, the, the long good Friday theme. And it's, it's, it kind of blows me away. I kind of wish we had bombastic scores like this. It's kind of like seventies disco with some synth in there too, from the eighties. Like it's, it's wild. Uh, and Tokyo drifter is a classic, uh, Seijin Suzuki film about a gangster who basically has to go rogue when his own uh, gang turns against him. Uh, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's uh, hugely inf- influential. It's influenced uh, Tarantino, of course, and a lot of other modern directors. Uh, and they make a good pairing because they're both about gangsters trying to kind of, you know, go straight or at least uh, try to find, uh, you know, better meaning in their lives or something. Uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed being able to stream them. Uh, I just rewatched Mulholland Drive. Uh, I can't wait. Like, I honestly really like going back and revisiting these films, uh, maybe because I feel a little superheroed out of all the Marvel stuff. Like, I just I'm trying to fill in some gaps in my cinematic knowledge here, and this makes it super easy. So I think the service is pretty great. You could just check it out for yourself. Um, so the films you identified are Long Good Friday and Tokyo Drifter. Um, yeah. So uh, some thoughts on the Criterion channel. First of all, I have not really used it that much. And I think um, the the reason is just because, like, yeah, I, I have – oh, guys, you guys mm-hmm. know what? I completely forgot to mention that I watched this week. You know, oh, I, I was actually looking forward to discussing this is why. This is why you can't Yeah, this is why. It's going to be – you guys are going to hate yeah. me so much for this. Um, uh-huh. Tell, uh, tell us the cinematic masterpiece you're going to drop in us right now. Okay. Uh, the cinematic masterpiece is the 2018 version of Robin Hood. Uh, <laughs> Why? I saw you live tweeting. Why? That. Directed by Otto Bathurst. <laughs> and I saw you live tweeting. Guys, um, you know, when this movie came out, this looked like one of the dumbest movies Ever uh-huh. and of course, of course, it bombed at the box office. So this is and the, you were like, "Sign me up, buddy." This this, this is the uh, here uh, the plot summary is a the, the, this reboot of Robin Hood is a war hardened crusader and his Moorish commander mount an audacious audacious revolt against the corrupt English crown in a thrilling action adventure packed with gritty battlefield exploits, mind blowing fight choreography, and a timeless yeah. romance. That's the mind blowing. That's the description so, of Robin. By, Hood. by the way, Dave, you're proving my point here. Modern movies. Not that great sometimes. Go back and watch the old stuff. Yeah, There's not my Robin Hood. It's not my Robin Hood. Not no, so, my, so, my Robin Hood's Kevin Costner. So, or maybe an animated fox. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, guys, this movie, Robin Hood, is amazing. Um, by the way, I got it. So I rented this. There's a there's an Amazon uh, Prime member deal, I think. Uh, for, you could get it for like $3, I think, is uh, rent it for $3. I feel like nice what's try. happening right now is a yeah. pre- preview of if you win the wager this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, correct. sir. Um, so uh, full disclosure, I work for Amazon. But I, I so Robin Hood, uh, it, think of it like if if black if if Ridley Scott's Black Hawk Down, but with bows and arrows. But, oh. uh, he also it, made a Robin Hood. Didn't he? Or no, he made a. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he made the Kevin. Uh, the he, Russell he made Crow. the Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, but 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 uh, the the Russell Crowe Robin Hood did not take place in the Black Hawk Down universe. Um, think of <laughs> that uh, you know of. Think that of, you know uh, of. The, the Italian job, but with bows and arrows. Um, I'm think listening. of <laughs> think of the Dark Knight chase scene, but with bows and arrows and wagons. 
<laughs> I mean, you mix really all like mix all of yeah. that together into an unwieldy stew, and you get Otto Bratwurst uh, or Otto uh, Bathurst's Bratwurst. 2018 Robin Hood. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, the Criterion <laughs> Channel, a service which we will never find uh, this Robin Hood movie on. Uh, highly recommended. So, so I'll just say a couple more words, and then I want to talk about Criterion Channel. But like, so like this movie bombed. It was reviewed very terribly. Uh, but if if any of what I said sounds interesting to you, if the idea of like b- people wielding bows and arrows like they're M4 weapons, it's just an impetus to watch this movie, Dave. I'm really I'm really trying to figure out the thought process. If here. you if you if you wanted to see a an action scene like the Matrix's lobby shootout, but with bows and arrows, CG bows and arrows, yeah, CG bows yeah. and arrows. If you if hashtag you, hashtag but with bows and arrows. <laughs> Hashtag both of us. If you liked, uh, you know, Legolas in the Lord of the Rings shooting like three orcs in like three seconds with bows and arrows, but you want to see that multiplied by a hundred, yeah, then you should watch the, the 2018 Otto Bathurst version of Robin Hood. Uh, I really don't I know if I could trust any of your recommendations after this, Dave. Yeah. If you want to see the Transformers Fallen King, but with bows and arrows. Yes. That's a, Jeff, that's a great. That is a great example. I mean, pe- people. Uh, here, here's the thing. This is truly, a, in my opinion, this is a movie that is so bad it's good. It is so ridiculous and over the top that you cannot take it seriously. You have to just like have fun with this and understand that, like, hey, some of some of the bow and arrow action is pretty hilarious uh, and uh, enjoyable. So, I'm going to just say I had a good time watching Robin Hood. For now, shame. We need a shame bell but now, for this podcast. Now back to the uh, Criterion Channel. Um, so the thing with the Criterion Channel that uh, this is interesting as this Robin Hood movie. Yeah, so, like I just don't get it. Here, here's the thing with the Criterion Channel is they they've taken a very interesting approach, and I just want to put this PSA out there. If you subscribe to the Criterion Channel, how much is it per month, by the way? It uh, is. I uh, let me pull that back up. I believe it's eleven dollars a month or one hundred dollars uh, annually. Year, right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you if you like film, like, and if you want to support like what they're doing, I think that is worth it. That's a good deal. I agree. Uh, but the the thing with the Criterion Channel that people should just be aware of is it 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 does not have every Criterion disc yes. release. And I think like a lot of people will be disappointed. They'll they'll think, oh, it's Criterion Channel. Of course, it's going to have the Criterion Collection on there. It does not have everything in the Criterion Collection on there. Like extremely basic things from the Criterion Collection. It does not have on there. So, like, what what it does is rather than try to offer you everything or a vast selection, it is a highly curated experience, right? It's not trying to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you. It's yeah. like I think here, that's better. Here yeah. is like rather than like uh, try to offer you like fifty thousand movies. Here is like nine movies that we think are really good, right? That's kind of what they do, like on a weekly. It's definitely basis. more than nine. It but, is. It is. No, 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 I'm, I'm not it saying is. the whole service is nine. I'm just saying, like, on a weekly basis, yeah. they do these like curated things, and like they do these curated programs, and so they they try to basically like uh, add a, a level of personalization and curation to it. Um, I think that, that sounds really useful. I dig yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. Like I'm not lot. saying it's bad at all. I'm. I'm actually. I really support what they're doing. I'm just saying, like, don't go into it expecting it's going to be super comprehensive. It is going to be. Uh, yeah, you're not going to find. Any of the films of Otto Bratwurst on it. Yeah, Br- Bathurst. Sorry about that, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but um, 
but yeah, I mean, uh, that's correct. You won't, but the, there, there's a lot of like classic Criterion discs that I that I would expect to find on here uh, that are not on here, you know, um, and that is kind of a, of a bummer. Uh, but you will get a really curated experience. You will get something that is like uh, that will have a lot of care and thought put into it. And if you want someone to guide you through uh, the history of film, then it's a great choice. So, but just wanted to throw that throw that caveat out there. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, that's what we've been watching this week. Uh, definitely go see Robin Hood uh, if you can. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's what it's, it's going to do it for all what we've been watching. Let's talk about donors for the podcast this week. Uh, this week we had one donor, one lone donor, Michael Crowder. Thank you so much for uh, uh, donating to the Slash Filmcast this week. We really appreciate all the money people can donate to help us defray the cost of doing the show, of seeing movies, and putting on the podcast for you. If you want to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word film cast we need some friends for crowder we need some crowder can't be the lone donor we need more crowders out there yeah yeah um you know what they say one's a crowder three's a crowd uh you know what i mean Jeff, come on help yeah back no me up i here. i know that that's what they say <laughs> wow jeff you just really just left me twisting in the wind there i'm <laughs> sorry um <laughs> so i really I thought you were I thought you were at least gonna make it a, a triple one's a One's a Crowder, two's yeah. a... I forgot three. the rule of threes, really. Is what it, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so thanks to Michael Crowder for donating. Again, paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Uh, never donate to us if it in any way causes you any hardship in your life. Uh, but if you do want to support us, we really would appreciate it. So again, paypal.me slash filmcast. You can also go to slash film.com. Use the uh, slash filmcast tab and the PayPal links on the side of the page. Let's get into our review of Detective Pikachu. So there I was. I woke up with a heavy case of amnesia in the middle of nowhere. The only clue to my past is Harry's name and address inside this hat. So I made my way to the apartment, and that's when I found you and your stapler gun. Stop talking! You're a hallucination! You're a hallucination. So you're a talking Pikachu with no memories who's addicted to caffeine. I can stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black as night, thank you, sweetie. I don't know. Maybe Harry got in too deep. Mixed up with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. Look, you can talk to humans. I can talk to Pokemon. And if you want to find your pops, we're going to need each other. No, I don't need a Pokemon. What about a world-class detective? That was from the trailer for Detective Pikachu. I'm going to read the plot summary here. Ace Detective Harry Goodman goes mysteriously missing, prompting his 21-year-old son, Tim, to find out what happened. Aiding in the investigation is Harry's former Pokemon partner, wisecracking, adorable super sleuth, Detective Pikachu. This movie was directed by Rob Letterman. And... uh. Uh, you, you know, I got to ask this question, like, what is our familiarity on the podcast here with Pikachu? Uh, not Pikachu, I should say Pokemon, right? Uh, Devendra, like, how familiar are you with Pokemon? I mean, I, I, I grew up with it. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it on the Game Boy. I'm not like a super fanatic, but I've definitely played the games. I watched the cartoon. Did you do, I remember did you do the, the AR game? Did you play the modern AR game where you like, yeah, yeah, hunt yeah, yeah, it's fun. Like, Pokemon it's fun. Um, yeah, Pokemon yeah. Go. I've played some of the, you know, some of the follow up titles as well. 
I'm not hardcore, but I certainly know the mythology. I really appreciate the world, and I love Pikachu. Uh, Actually, the original Pokemon movie that was released in theaters here in the U.S., I remember taking my little brother to that and uh, hearing an entire theater of children cry. So that was fun. (laughs) Huh. All right. Uh, Jeff, what's your familiarity with Pokemon? Well, you know, I review video games for a living, Dave. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that. Never heard of uh, I do that. Uh, However... Uh, this has just never been one of my franchises. And, wow. uh, Have you played them? I, I really haven't. I really haven't. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I was a little old when it really happened, when Pokemon happened yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in earnest. And it's I, like I, RPG for kids, which I think was part yeah. of the appeal. It's cool. Uh, yeah, I think I'm a little older than you guys, and I think it, I was just a little beyond that curve. And so it never, it never had any of the nostalgia value for me. And... Uh, yeah, so I, I, I've i always felt on the, on the outside looking in of that particular franchise. I've tried a couple of times to get into the games, and I just it, can't. Haven't. I have virtually zero familiarity with Pokemon whatsoever. I, I'm shocked by this development right here. I, I have, uh, I don't think I've ever seen a Pokemon cartoon. Like, I, I've seen, you know. Jeff, uh, Dave, what did you do when you were younger? Like, uh, Obviously, I had a misspent youth not doing Pokemon. <laughs> Um, Lots but of Pokemon cartoons, the games were great. Yeah. Didn't didn't play, haven't played a single Pokemon game, uh, haven't done the AR game, haven't watched a single cartoon, have z- zero familiarity. The only thing I knew is the character of Pikachu. That's literally <laughs> the <laughs> only thing. I didn't understand the concept. Like, gotta catch them all. I don't. I didn't know what yeah. that meant before. So I walked you were the, the target audience for this movie, right here. <laughs> yep, pretty much. I mean, I, I had no idea anything about Pokemon. Um, so that is kind of our perspective. On the on the one uh-huh. side, you got Devendra who um, uh, is really kind of into the world, or at least like has like deep knowledge of it. You got Jeff Kanata, who's like somewhat past knowledge from his video game reviewing. And you got me, Dave Chen, zero knowledge whatsoever of Detective Pikachu. So, or, 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 or Pokemon. Script in general. Yeah, it's a, good, yeah. It's a good, good, good rule of thumb in general for, for how uh, our knowledge of things on the podcast. Um, so let's start with Devendra. I mean, as a Pokemon fan or a supporter, what did you think of Detective Pikachu? Is this the first good video game movie well i i will say mortal Kombat was there when we were younger i think that first movie still holds up it is a bad 90s action movie but i think there's a certain appeal to it and what really made that movie work is that uh it really it didn't shy away from the video gamingness of it like it really embraced that world and i think this movie does that as well and well, then, it's before certainly... you go on before you go on too far uh-huh. i just want to i just want to give a shout out also to, to mortal Kombat because still one of my all-time favorite midnight viewing experiences on opening weekend in a crowd when the movie starts and it goes Mortal Kombat and that techno music came in. We all went bonkers in that theater, man. I spent years of my life doing uh, karate to the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. So (laughs) that's that's how I grew up. Uh, That is not a good movie, but certainly I think a fun one. And also the first Resident Evil, I think is a ton of fun too. Same director. Uh, but this uh, Detective Pikachu, I think, is a legitimately good movie. I think it's very good. It's sort of like a kid's introduction to noir as well. Like the whole idea of basically, um, you know, there's a genuine mystery here. 
it's a kid who kind of stumbles upon it and has to pretend to be a detective. It does a good job of uh, really introducing you to the world, too. Like, I think the world building in this movie is fantastic. Um, they just spend so much attention to the way uh, the key city works here. I, f- I forget the name Rhyme, of the city. Rhyme City. Rhyme City. Right. Once you, the introduction to Rhyme City, there, there's like a, uh, is it what, a Total Recall-esque uh, video explanation of like what that city is. <laughs> And how like how it's all put together. You learn the rules of the world. You get a decent sense of like the Pokemon world too from an opening scene. Um, this movie definitely expects you to have some passing Pokemon knowledge. Like it does things and doesn't explain everything. And I think there's something um, I don't know something ballsy about that. Like the audience that this film is directed to is Pokemon fans and probably kids. They they know how the Pokeballs work. They know what a what a mime is. They know how Ditto works. Like you don't have to you don't really have to go into the whole, you know, breakdown of how all these things work out. Um, I think in broader strokes, this movie does a great job of giving us a world where humans and Pokemon coexist. The Pokemon also look amazing. I think the art direction and the production design of this movie is fantastic. The look of this movie is is tremendous too. Like it looks, it feels kind of film noirish as well like I, I i was surprised by all the technical things i really enjoyed um and yeah story-wise like there's it's it's not perfect i think it's very much a kid's mystery movie uh but there's a lot of stuff here that i really enjoyed i love the character moments i love brian reynolds as P- detective pikachu uh the pokemon moments i think work definitely for fans like there's some deep cut things here that are hilarious uh, i do wonder if they kind of leave, you know, audiences like you, Dave, who have no clue about this world, like if you understood anything that's happening, but like the whole extended mime sequence, uh, there, there's a big chunk of the movie dedicated to Ditto. Uh, it is, it's a deep cut in a way that feels really, it's fan servicey, but also works, I think, in the service of this narrative. So yeah, I really enjoyed this movie overall. I think it does, you know, it's respectful of the franchise. I think it's something fans will enjoy. And I think it's good enough that even kids or adults who don't really know the series can enjoy as well. Well, Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Detective Pikachu? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts about Detective Pikachu are best summed up. In the form of a limerick. An all-pika limerick. Come on. <laughs> all peak. Well, kind of. And it's funny that you framed it this way, the question, <laughs> Dave, because my limerick directly addresses this very issue. Oh, Here we go. Nice. I've never been a Pokemon dude, but I thought when this movie was viewed, I'd understand more of the Pokemon lore. Instead, I just felt Pikachu'd. Of course, mm-hmm. Pikachu has a verb there, meaning it sounded just like pika pika Pikachu, Pika Pika all the time. It just felt nonsensical and it didn't make any sense to me. Pikachu at all. is always a good thing, Jeff. Like yeah, that, I was that gonna idea. say, like, is Pikachu a pejorative there? I didn't understand. It, it just, it was, Pikachu is always good. Yeah. So So this movie gave me the experience that I I have no doubt many, many, many people have of, of things I love. You know? There are many deep, weird nerddoms that I am very passionate about that I will be so I mean, Marvel Comics is is just one of several mm-hmm. that I will go on at length all to my friends, to people on this show, uh, you know, talking about how great it is that all this cool lore and this deep stuff and all the stuff that I saw in the corners of the frame. And oh, my God, it's so cool that they included that. Oh, my God. It, it, it's like serving my nostalgia from when I was a kid. It's amazing. It feels awesome. 
there are, I'm sure, many, many people who hear that and go, hey, way over my head. I did not get any of that. I'm so happy for you that you did, but not for me. That finally, I've had that experience now <laughs> in my own, uh, in, in a movie <laughs> where I'm on the other side, right? So I sense that this movie really has a lot of fan service and uh, it, it, rightfully so. It should be about that, right? But it, it's also pretty tastefully done. I will say this is not like just a, like, oh, look at that. Look at that Pokemon. Like it, it, this movie restrains itself a lot, surprisingly. Yeah, well, I disagree with. I, I agree. I, I kind of agree with Devendra that like it felt to me like okay, there's like vast shots of like where there's like tons of Pokemon and like you know, yeah. and I'm I'm sure uh, as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, if I was a Pokemon fan, I'm sure I would be freaking out right now because I'm uh-huh. going to be spotting all the different Pokemon. Uh, but as someone who has no idea, I was just like, ah, oh, that you know, kind of cool. But I did also find it to be tasteful. That being said, Jeff, continue. I don't disagree that it's tasteful. I disagree that it's a good movie. <laughs> I don't think it is. Uh, I think it, it, I think it looks great. I'll agree with Vinge on that point. I love the way they have visualized these, mm-hmm. uh, ridiculous, uh, you know, 2d, essentially 2d cartoonish characters into a photorealistic look. That's, that's tough. Really, it's not easy. You're right. Yeah. And it's look and at it's the Sonic really well movie done. and like the, the insanity around that. That's one character they just have to do. Yeah. This movie very... visualizes hundreds. Yes. And I think it's cool. <laughs> I mean, the movie, the movie, this, this evokes for me is who framed Roger rabbit. Yes. Right? It feels yeah. like that it feels like a modern version of that. It's just not nearly as good a movie in my opinion as who framed Roger rabbit. It just, it, it, it really, uh, I think it really rests on its, it's nostalgia and it's uh, fan service and that's, that's fine. That's take. cool. Yeah. yeah. It's just not, that just won't land for me. Uh, and I, I think the movie really does female characters wrong, which is baffling to me that uh, a franchise that is, has such a huge mm. female audience that women uh, young and old love these games and play them, uh, you know, just as much, if not more than males do that. They completely, there's no woman character in this that has any agency whatsoever. There's even a moment toward the end where the o- the only female character in the entire movie goes, oh, I'm just going to go sit in the car while you guys do things. It's very strange to me. Um, I, 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 I thought some of the action stuff was fine. We'll get into spoilers, but there's baffling non-explanations for things that I don't even that I think they've taken liberties from the game. It's not like the explanation (laughs) would be clear if you know the game, but just on a very basic level, the Uh fundamental logic of this movie makes no sense to me. Um, which we'll get into in spoilers, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's fun to be had. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a wasted effort in the sense that I think if you love Pokemon, you'll probably love seeing this version of it because it, it really feels like, oh my gosh, what if Pokemon were real? What it would be like? I think that is probably very fun for people who care about that. I'm just mm-hmm. happen to not be one of them. It also and shies away from, I think, the darker aspects of what uh, what the Pokemon world is because you're not just uh, you're not just imprisoning these animals in in tiny balls on, on your belt and then you, you own them and you go fight them to the death or something. Like it's <laughs> it avoids a lot of that basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. There's nothing in it. I mean, we'll get to spoilers. I I will, I will refrain from there, but I, I was really hoping that it would make me leave the theater and go, Oh my gosh, I really want to play a Pokemon game for the first time, Yeah. but it did not have that effect. And it, 
it didn't it didn't have much to offer me as someone who didn't already love this IP. And I I wonder if Dave felt similarly or if it worked for you. I thought it was completely fine. You know, that's my reaction to this film is I agree with Devendra that the the world building is really impressive. And we've seen examples of good world building and bad world building in the last uh, few years. And in general, I thought they put in just enough. I think there are some people confused, you know, about uh, what exactly the Pokemon's role is in these people's lives. Like, are they slaves or like, are they are they like pets or are they slaves? Are they are they co-equal in this relationship? Like. That's pretty unclear in the movie, perhaps like intentionally so. Uh, but other than that, I thought the way they did the world building was really strong. You know, they have these like video explainers. They have like vague references that people make to. It, it, it's basically like an alternate reality where Pokemon mm-hmm. and man have grown up. Uh, you know, coexisting. Right? We we even get glimpses of like prehistoric man coexisting yeah. with Pokemon, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I actually really like all that stuff. And the thing is, Pikachu is absolutely adorable. I mean, just like mm-hmm. the way they've realized that character is super cute. You uh, you look at it and you're like, that that's a Pikachu. Yeah, it's not like um, a mutant Sonic or something, right? <laughs> and it's even it's the little things. It's like the texture of the fur. They got the nose to wiggle. In a way that I, you know, we don't see that really in in the cartoons or even the games, but his nose wiggles uh, like a rabbit or something, like a real animal. Like even even when he's idling in the animation, like little things are happening. There's so much care taken to these characters. Yeah, um, so I, I love the the look of the film uh, and uh, the world building aspects of the movie. It feels like a real world. It doesn't feel like they just kind of. Uh, randomly threw a bunch of stuff together and didn't think through right, the implications. Right, right. At, at it's, least it's, it's shot in London, and they also like uh, up, uh, basically turned London and like hybridized it with Tokyo. Yeah, a little. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, that I, was I, super I, cool. Yeah, all that stuff was cool. All that stuff was cool. Love all that stuff. And then the sto- like the story, I think, is just completely unremarkable. Justice Smith is a good actor, but like I didn't think mm-hmm. that this movie made particularly good use of his skills and then ryan reynolds is kind of a g-rated version of deadpool uh yeah. as detective pikachu and that just should like have been DeVito. should have been yeah that, it just, been um, that just didn't work for me like it just i didn't there, there was maybe a handful of chuckles in my entire theater during this entire film and it just wasn't the kind of like laugh out like deadpool i remember uh dying laughing. I was just like it was so hilarious. I love the wisecracking. Got the references. Uh got the references. Got the yeah. well, I mean there was there weren't that many references in this movie, I didn't think, right? No, there there are a lot of references to Pokemon. too. so the people who are playing like it's things like there there's a character uh Psyduck plays a surprisingly large part uh of the <laughs> right. role in this movie. Psyduck a character who's just literally just a duck that's a bundle of anxiety and explodes if he gets too stressed. And I love that like the movie comments on that. It's like why why are we even bringing you here? You're the worst. You're the worst <laughs> person to have this permission. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um but uh yeah, I mean I just thought the story was okay. Ryan Reynolds as Detective Pikachu is okay. Like the protagonist is okay. Like there was Watanabe. He's in here a little, but he is. I, I love, love. I'm always love gonna him. love seeing Ken Watanabe in any movie. Like regardless yeah. of what the movie is, regardless even of how good his performance is. I'm, I'm Ken a, Watanabe is a Pokemon bulldog and really playing it straight too. Like it's yeah. yeah, yeah no, that, that, that stuff that. is good. That yeah. stuff is good. I agree. It, it's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that. I just thought the movie was okay. 
Um, it, it, it did nothing for me. I, I saw this tweet that really summed it up for me. I think it was Eric Davis tweeted out like, it, it is the, it is the video game movie that has the highest Rotten Tomato score ever at 63%. Yeah. Which, uh, which I was just like, that's, that really sums it up, which is that, yes, it's, it is better than most video game movies, the vast majority of which are terrible. Um, but it, crosses that bar just barely in my opinion Mm -hmm. so not a bad movie i wouldn't like and particularly if you're a fan of pokemon i'm guessing you will be delighted by this oh yeah Um, yeah so yeah not a bad movie but not great not something that i feel like transcended the genre uh that transcended even the, the genre of video game movies that much uh to become something much more uh and so those are my thoughts on on detective pikachu uh but uh yeah and also like fr- from a box office perspective 58 million dollars opening weekend uh which is not looking super great for people who put it high up on the summer movie wager list right like yeah we'll we'll that's me um yeah where did you put it jeff canada do you remember i don't i can look but pretty yeah, high looking, i think like you put six. it at number seven actually so that's not seven bad. that's yeah. not bad um I, I assume this thing will have legs. Like this is the biggest franchise uh, in the world. You know, like the, there's a lot like basically that could push this movie forward. I don't know how much of that's going to be just U.S. versus international sales. I will say it is really interesting that they chose to adapt this version. You know, this game, uh, Detective Pikachu, and not like one of the original Pokemon games or not like a core mm-hmm. game because that's like that would just basically be retelling the story of the the original anime um or maybe red and blue or yellow or something and it didn't do that it it kind of i think it's fascinating that this movie basically just a, it works because it assumes most of the audience knows what pokemon are they know how this world works like none of this stuff is alien to them they don't have to go explain every little bit about the world whereas um i don't know i could see i could see them trying to play it safer and trying to do that first movie uh to, to create this pokemon cinematic universe and having it just be a dull you know retelling of red and blue and I'm kind of glad we didn't get that. Like it set this sets the stage for something more. I agree. I think it was a bold choice and an interesting choice and a offbeat choice. You know, it's like it's like starting with um, Into the Spider Verse. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it, I dig it. I just wish that it had more to offer me, but it's not for me. This movie isn't for me, and I totally respect that. I totally get that. There's a lot of movies I love that aren't for other people, and that's fine too. You know. Um. Yeah, so the idea of like Pikachu being inhabited by some other voice that's really wisecracky and non Pikachu esque uh, is is foreign to the Pokemon universe, I assume, right? Like, it is. It is in that Detective Pikachu game, so it I was see. new for that game, and they basically just adapted that game directly. It seems got like it, got it, got it. Okay, all right. Well, shall we get to some spoilers, gentlemen? Yeah, Let's. spoilers for Detective Pikachu starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. You know, this is a movie I wish I was sitting right next to you guys as you watched it and just looked over as you were confused as hell. Like, what is a Mewtwo? What is a ditto? <laughs> like the entire plot revolves around these characters, some of which are basically magic. Right? Yeah, evidently Mewtwo is God. Yeah, Mewtwo, like, uh, Mewtwo is Mewtwo, like omnipotent. Mewtwo is the <laughs> uber 
he is the Super Saiyan of Pokemon. Um, and he can do many things because he's this weird genetic experiment. It is kind of fascinating that the movie starts with a Mewtwo scene, like really just throwing you right into the middle of things. Yeah, I work with. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I work with uh, the biggest Pokemon fan any of us would ever know. She she has more Pokemon knowledge than all of us will ever (laughs) have put together. Um, And I picked her brain about I had a million questions. Uh, And the movie definitely takes some liberties with with Pokemon lore. uh, But I had a lot of questions about Mewtwo. My one of my biggest problems with this movie is like, what's Mewtwo's deal? Hey man, everyone's trying to keep Mewtwo down. He's just trying to be free. He's but, a mag- he's a, like a good Magneto. Basically. So his whole thing was, <laughs> I have the power right now. Yeah, to resurrect your dad. <laughs> I have the p- power right now to make all this fine. I can do this anytime, but I'm gonna wait until the sun experiences something. I guess. I mean, there's some weird catch that Mewtwo has decided needs to happen in order for Mewtwo to return the father, pull the father out of the poke of the Pikachu. Mewtwo somehow sticks the father in the Pikachu. Where does the body go? Don't know. Don't explain it. Doesn't matter. I guess, uh, keeping it in the Pikachu without memories for some reason, waiting, (laughs) They've met, they hang out, the father and the son met, but not good enough for Mewtwo. Mewtwo has to wait until something happens that's indefi- undefined. Listen, and- the human's got to fix their own shit, all right? They, they yes. imprison Mewtwo. They, they, you know, he's this weird experiment. Um, yeah, they don't really explain a lot of that stuff, like a lot of how that works. I think that's um, bad screenwriting. Well, I think the, the, biggest, the biggest leap in logic for me is why doesn't, uh, the main character recognizes his dad's voice in Pikachu. That's true. That is very true. It's like the big one. That part I didn't sound familiar. Understand Valid. at all? Yeah. Valid that, question. That was never explained, right? I don't think it was. So. No. Yeah. Also, how are they going to do a sequel to this movie if it does well? <laughs> because the <laughs> whole premise, the whole premise of Ryan Reynolds uh, inhabiting Pikachu is now over. Um, right. So I, I don't he know. He dies gonna... again. There's another crazy crash. Uh, what, that's actually okay. That is one thing I really enjoyed about the movie is how uh-huh. you never see Ryan Reynolds' face until the end. Like, yeah, it, it's kind of like in Arrested Development. There was this running joke that you would never see a character's mouth when they swore. Uh, yeah, and, like they'd always turn away from the camera, or something would block their mouth like the instant they swore. It's kind of like that, where like at every time you were supposed to see the person's face, they just turned around, or the camera was just in the wrong place. Uh, and I did enjoy that quite a bit. So yeah, uh, yeah but yeah, I, a lot of things don't make sense. Special. Kind of What's that? I said a lot of things don't make sense. A lot of things don't make sense. A lot of things don't make sense. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that you know, there, the, there's nothing special about Pikachu. If you didn't know that Pikachu was the special one, uh-huh. there's nothing special about Pikachu. Pikachu does nothing. In well, the whole that, movie, that Pikachu, that Pikachu, like the ability to speak to another human, that is special. I think the movie does right. solidify that. Yeah, but yeah. the Pikachu is supposed to have the ability to do some stuff, and it doesn't ever do anything. You know, well, you mean the like the electricity end. stuff? It does that at the end, right? The, right. The ability to like shoot electric bolts and such. Yeah, is what I got. Is what I got. Please, please explain to me Pikachu's powers. <laughs> that is the full extent. It can shoot. What do you? Think? What is Pikachu to it, you? It's like a, I don't know, a doll of some kind that can shoot electricity <laughs> out of its bum. 
That's kind of what I'm getting it's from it. Bum? Yeah, the tail, you know, the tail. Because <laughs> it's tail, it's, it's tail shaped like a lightning bolt, right? It is shaped like a lightning bolt, yeah. but it's it's kind of like it comes through the like the power of the cheeks. It's kind of kind of comes through the head. Oh, area. I not did the... not. I did not get that. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah. of and, speaking and... of random Pokemon, though, the one the thing that was really good about this movie was that section with the mime. I thought that was mime is good because he's creepy as hell. Yeah. Nobody likes him. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's super great. disturbing though. They straight up murder that mime. They pull a freaking like <laughs> Reservoir Dogs on the mime. It's, it's, it's so disturbing ups- when he pours <laughs> fake gasoline on it. It's, the, the implication is very dark. I mean, very <laughs> dark. It's a, smart, it's a very smart edit too. Like this, the movie knows what it's doing. I think it's kind of fun. Mime thinks it's being burned alive at the end. <laughs> of that. agony in that factory somewhere. Yeah. Uh, this movie has Pikachu say hell. Like this movie definitely does things I never expected. Um, the the Pokemon Company is notoriously uh, very particular about how its characters are used. Uh, I know somebody who used to work for the Pokemon Company, like doing copywriting stuff, and they are there. There are a lot of things you can and cannot do with the Pokemon. So it also seems like they really um, they had clearly a hand in this movie, like and guided you know the writers and the director in terms of like what they could and couldn't do, and maybe that's also another big difference between this and the damn Sonic movie because every, oh God, every time I see a photo or like judging it before it's out, it's, they're changing stuff. Who knows? Could be good. Maybe it's good. Yeah, yeah. So Dave, uh, we need to go down the rabbit hole, <laughs> cars style, uh, of what the. the imp- yeah. What the implications of some of the stuff introduced in this movie right, is hit because me. Hit me. because we <laughs> according to this movie explicitly said by this movie is the fact that Rhyme City is the only place where Pokemon and humans live side by side and everything is cool there like they are very useful productive members of society they seem to have some intelligence they yeah. are individuals that are respected they help this firemen put starts a- with a pokemon hunt so right. that does but exist everywhere yeah. else in the world everywhere else in the world they are hunted for sport <laughs> there's one city that has proven that they are individuals that have consciousness yep. and feelings and can, can help you put out fires and help you, you know, all kinds can direct traffic. Evidently they trust them to direct traffic in the middle of the town square. Uh, but everywhere else in the world, literally everywhere else that isn't rhyme city, these creatures are hunted for sport. Pokemon yeah, trainers I mean, do exist in this world. They talk about that. Like uh, they, they said this kid was going to be a Pokemon trainer. So yeah, Jeff, it's yeah. like, this is rhyme city is like the Burke of this universe it's like burke from how to train your dragon right everywhere right. else in the universe dragons are hunted for sport but burke they coexist peacefully with humans it's it's the same thing it's the same thing so okay sir so, yeah it, it is sort of the same thing i mean they're not they're not like hunted and killed but they're captured and enslaved and forced to fight other monsters so you it, know it would be like if burke was known by everyone and there is media <laughs> about Burke and there's like Burke's founders are interviewed on TV and people are still like, yeah, but I really like hunting them and trapping them and keeping them in my pocket. Basically it's a world where dog fighting is not only the norm, it's It's not not only accepted, but encouraged, right? Like the exception to the rule is not dog. fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's correct. The, the, the bigger question too, and this is not really answering the games. Uh, well, in the games, the only other the only animals are Pokemon. So, what do people eat? 
<laughs> Think about that. Uh, Take that to the bank, okay? Uh, I was surprised to see uh, Chris Gear in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, Chris Gear from You're the Worst, who plays yeah. the son of... Oh, yeah. Uh, he was great. Yeah, he but, basically plays his "You're the Worst" character, yeah, but yeah, uh, I haven't really seen him in much else aside from "You're the Worst," so it is kind of funny to see him here. I just want to—I think the dogfighting metaphor is so excellent. I want to <laughs> underscore it yeah. again and just say: literally, somebody founded a town where they're like, yep. "Wait, we could just hang out with dogs and treat them well, and everybody would be happy." And the rest of the world is like, "No, we still love dogfighting too much." <laughs> We're not going to be down with the cool domesticated dogs that are lovable and happy and help us in our everyday lives. No, no, no. We still want to hunt them for sports. See, you wonder what the sequel is going to be about. There you go, Jeff. Uh, It's disturbing. It's disturbing. There's a lot of uh, game criticism and analysis written about this over the past few decades. So, yeah, it's always been a thing about Pokemon that's fun to explore and talk about. Yeah, um, I was looking at this article at IndieWire entitled Detective Pikachu Raises Troubling Questions No One Can Ever Hope to Answer. And they basically <laughs> identify this exact same issue that we're talking about. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is that uh, what actually distinguishes the Charmanders and Squirtles of the world from chimpanzees and salamanders? Since each Pokemon is a distinct species, there has to be something that warrants defining them with a unique umbrella term that excludes the existing animal kingdom. Uh, and one reason this question matters is because without answering it, you can't possibly explain the fundamental difference between Pokemon battles and dogfights, end quote. So mm. what differentiates Pokemon from animals? Definitely, like in, in the games, animals, I believe, don't exist. They are, it is <laughs> so they are the animals of this world. The they, are the, yes. they are the animals of this world, right? Yes. It is. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so they, well, they cause these sounds animals. sounds like. Sounds yeah. like we are the real Mon. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it, Jeff. Thank you. Nailed it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to respond to that, uh, <laughs> except maybe to wrap up the review. Any, any closing thoughts on Detective Pikachu? I will say, as a, you know, as as a parent. As somebody who's going to be watching lots of kids' movies with my daughter soon, I, I'm very glad. I'm very glad that a you know a decent one, a watchable one exists because I've sat through quite a few with my nieces and nephews, and there's a lot of crap out there. So you know there is that. I think your kids will really love this one, Jeff, when they get to see it. What do we? What do we feel about like video game in the pantheon of video game movies? Uh-huh. How, how do we feel this stacks? Up? Like, what is your vi- favorite video game movie? You know, obviously all of them have been reviewed terribly, but <laughs> but you guys had a lot of affection for Mortal Kombat. Is that your favorite video game movie? Like, do you have a favorite video game favorite movie? Favorite in terms if of like this? a thing that has a place in my heart? Yes. Yes. Probably. Yes. What is your favorite in terms of thing that has a place in your heart? Yeah. It would be that. It would be Mortal I, Kombat. I always, yeah. I always cheat and say my favorite video game movie is Hardcore Henry. Yeah. I mean, there you go. It's a cheat. Because it's not actually a video game. Okay, movie, yeah, but, but it is. Putting a video aside game your movie. your silly cheat, Jeff, what is your favorite video game movie? <laughs> One directly based on a video game. It's got to be Assassin's Creed, right? It's got to be Assassin's <laughs> Creed. Oy vey. I really thought that was going to be the one. I put a lot of uh, a so lot of close. hope in that one. I so thought that close. was. I thought I had the right the right creative team. Uh, I'm hoping our friend Dan Trachtenberg is the one to do it to crack the nut. Um, mm. You know, he's working hard on. Uh, uh, as far as I know, on uh, the Uncharted movie, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. 
I, I guess I, I need to look at a list of all of them. I, I think Mortal there, Kombat. There really aren't many, though. Like, there really aren't that many that you could consider to be good. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, there yeah. aren't well, really very many. I'm going to name Kombat... a few. I'm going to name a few random ones, okay? Huh? Um, yeah. Al- Alone in the Dark. <laughs> all what? of Uwe Bolzik. Uh Wing Commander. Oh, right. Dave uh, as well. Yeah. Hitman. I mean, I thought, I, yeah. Hitman. God damn Warcraft it. was bad. Max Payne. You know what? Uh, I really I thought the uh, Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider was good. I know you guys disagreed with me, but I liked yeah. it. Uh, I Ram- think this is the Ra- Rampage. That's another one. Uh, so uh, yeah. Tomb Raider, Alicia. V- you really liked that Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider movie more than Detective Pikachu? Oh yes. Oh yes. Really? I mean, but I also like cared about that IP more. So mm-hmm. it's also, it's a more grown up movie than Detective yeah. Pikachu. Jeff, if uh, I had a cheat answer, the one I would give of like favorite video game movie is uh, Live Die Repeat or uh, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. That's not that's based a on a video game, but like it's very much structured like a video game. That's the one I would I would choose. Um, if I had to choose an actual movie, it, you know what? I'm gonna put this out there, guys. I'm gonna put this out there. Uh, Street Fighter, the one directed really? by Stephen E. D'Souza. Yeah. Because, like uh, Robin Hood, it is a movie that is so bad it's good. Also, if you read the, no, if you yeah. read the uh, like oral history of Street Fighter, it's incredible. Like basically, they had zero rehearsal to do those fight scenes, which really shows. Yeah, uh, I like that movie mainly for Raul Julia. Raul Julia, who, it's Raul Julia's final gave role. Right? All as he was dying, yes, he gave his all to that movie. Like I, I have a lot of affection for that movie yes. too. Uh, yes. Not as fun as Mortal Kombat, I think, uh, just because it didn't stay true to the games, really. But Raul Julia, I love that man forever. He did that movie because his kids love the game. Yeah, and like that, yeah, you got to admire that. Leave, uh, and um, on a related note, I will say that The Legend of Chun Li gave us the best Chris Klein performance known to mankind. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, 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 there's like super cuts of just Chris Klein's lines in Legend of Chun Li, and you should watch them because they're incredible. Um, so I did watch that entire movie. I did watch that entire movie. It's a thing. And how was it? Uh, I definitely remember Chris Klein. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's wild about that movie is that it was written by. Justin Marks, a guy who's written some really good stuff, the Jungle yeah. Book remake, and also Counterpart, that series I really love from Stars. Uh, but man, yeah, somebody wrote Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. Hard to imagine. Yeah, that Justin Marks, that guy walks through the raindrops. He really does. He's that's, doing a Shadow of the Colossus movie. That could be good. That's a quote from so. The Legend of Chun Li. For those who don't know, Chris yeah. Klein says that line. Anyway, did you guys see the Max Payne movie? I did. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty yeah. bad. Uh, I mean, just looking over this list, like I'm looking at this Rotten Tomatoes list of 41 video game movies ranked worst best, <laughs> and there are so many that are just outright awful, right? Like, yeah. there's just so many yeah. that are that are. And really honestly, bad. even the animated versions of uh, you know video game movies aren't always that great. There is a great uh, anime Street Fighter movie from the uh, from the 90s that I think is a lot of fun, but also kind of messy as hell. So yeah. Well, Devinder, you've mentioned the Sonic movie a couple times. Jeff Kanata, have you seen the trailer for the new Sonic movie? I haven't. I have seen the poster. Jeff, Jeff, you. I, I think this is one you I can really, watch. You I could... really wish you see that because you you kept interrupting me to, to saying like, oh, maybe it'll be good. You really need to see the trailer for this movie. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, yeah. To Jeff, know I, I, where it's going. 
I, I guarantee yeah, you that it will not ruin your experience of the Sonic movie to watch. Trailer. No, I know that. I'm not. I'm not worried about my Sonic experience particularly. I just haven't. I don't. You know, I don't watch trailers. I haven't watched it. Uh, but I did see the poster, and I saw the edited poster that somebody was like, "This is how it should look, real quick." And they, it was way better. And you know, they said they're going back to the drawing board and they're redoing the look of of Sonic in that movie. So who knows? I Maybe think it's really. It's- yeah, there's no way that can be a good redo, by the way, because they're still rushing to meet this release date. So it is it is one VFX studio that's basically being worked to the bone now to kind of fix this mess. So Jim they're, they're, Carrey, they're, Jim Carrey so we, is Dr. Robotnik. Uh, you know, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, I, so. I agree. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, Jim Carrey is Dr. Robotnik, um, but the uh, the people who made... Detective Pikachu basically came out and said, we would not be able to achieve what they are saying they are going to try to achieve, which is change the entire look of Sonic. Oh, uh, it sounds insane. In in three months before the movie comes out, because it's like you you need people to like hit these marks. It's just going to be like a wireframe, just like a really (laughs) low red wireframe running around. It just shows to me a complete lack of confidence in your vision for the movie. If you're like, hey, this is what we've envisioned it at. It doesn't look like the video game, but we really believe in it. Oh, you all hate it. Okay, we'll change it. You know, it's like. Yeah, just looking at that trailer, Jeff, like it is. I think I think the care and the the work that was put into like Detective Pikachu to really fully realize this world. Uh, I I can't really see any of that in the Sonic thing other than him saying got to go fast. Like that's that's pretty much it. I think some of the casting is pretty good too because it's um who's playing Sonic? It's uh th- it's, that guy from Parks and Rec, right? Yeah, ben yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Ben Schwartz, he's awesome. So he's he's, he's very, very good. talented dude. I, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing that movie. I, I think it will be yeah. an enjoyable romp on the in the vein of uh, 2018's Robin Hood. So I think uh, I think we'll have to review that movie. But I will say, poor James Marsden. Poor James Marsden. Once yeah, again, yeah. saddled with a CG like buddy in what looks to be a pretty bad kids movie. So yeah, I like the Robin Hood is the scale now upon which <laughs> Dave Chen reviews all movies. Yeah, this, is it? This movie, Detective Pikachu, gets two Robin Hoods, and I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping Sonic will get four. So, all right. Imagine Pokemon, but with bows and arrows. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, folks, let's wrap it up. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced by Baby Zhang. The intro music is from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Devendra Hardware, where can find more of your work on the internet this week? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech and gadget.com. And I'm also doing a tech podcast at nomoretech.net. I just talked about the uh, the Oculus gear, all the, all, the, all the new Oculus Rift stuff, basically. Not the gear. Was it the Rift Quest yeah, and the Rift Quest. S? Rift S is a really bad name. Uh, those, those are pretty cool things. So go check out that episode, too. How about you, Jeff Canada? I will say it again. Uh, please check out the Dungeon Run. I'm really proud of it. It is a live play Dungeons and Dragons show where I am the Dungeon Master, leading a group of intrepid adventurers through uh, the many crazy goings on inside this world I made up. So you can find that uh, on YouTube, the Dungeon Run, or uh, on as an audio podcast wherever you get this show. Uh, but also live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. I also do a show about video games 
called DLC. You can find that at 5x5.tv slash DLC. And you can always follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can subscribe to get emails from me at DaveChen.net slash letters. And also, I'm making several uh, YouTube videos a month at YouTube.com slash Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen, S-K-Y. Next week, we'll be reviewing John Wick 3, Parabellum. Really excited to discuss that movie with you. I've heard it's better than John Wick 1 and 2, which... Yeah, I want to uh, know what Parabellum means. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Pretty sure it's, <laughs> pretty sure it's kind of gun. But, uh, yeah, mm. it should be uh, a good discussion. Uh, oh, he has a pair of bellums. Mm. That was mm. rough, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, listen to that review next week here on the Slash Filmcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.